青の炎やっぱり And you won't. <laughs> so, we are going to talk about the blue light tonight. So, it's a Japanese movie from 2003. But let's first concentrate on our guest, indeed. So, Daiki san, you are actually in Finland at the moment, which is the home country of the both of us. So, ha, maybe you want to once again. Well, I know that you have been talking to. A little bit of medias about the same thing. You have been appearing in MTV3, or as we call it, Maikkari. They did an interview with you. Yeah, I listened to the uh, Nordic Mom podcast where you have also appeared, and that was a great pleasure to listen to. So maybe you can tell also to our listeners what's the story basically. Okay, so I moved to Finland three years ago for my master's degree, and after I graduated from my university, I started working in Tampere,、uh, where I am, which is the third biggest Finnish city. And yeah, I have been experiencing quite many things here in Finland. And yeah, luckily I got to know these two movie lovers and I'm now here. Excellent. And where are you from in Japan? I'm originally from Kyoto, which is the old capital. Is there some highlights for you that you like about Kyoto? Yeah, I think Kyoto has probably the most oldest, like, old shrines and temples. And there are so many world, UNESCO World Heritage sites there. So I would say cultural stuff would be the highlight of Kyoto, which you might want to visit someday. Okay.、Uh, yeah, and I know that you first planned to go to Spain, but then plans changed and you chose Finland. So something happened there. <laughs> wow, you know. <laughs> Pretty well. Yeah, I first tried to go to Barcelona because I'm a huge fan of football. So I、yeah. tried to find out some possibilities of studying in Barcelona. But then, after I did some research, I found out the school system there is not really organized and tuition fee is kind of expensive. So I gave up Barcelona. And then I googled Europe master degree tuition fee free. Then it showed me Finland. <laughs> <laughs> the power of Finnish education system, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but I'd say that is, that's one of the best decisions I've ever made, so I'm happy now. Oh, great, great. Are you planning to be in Finland for like a long term or any plans about that?、Uh, I would say long term. I probably, I will probably establish my family here. Oh, maybe. wow.、Okay. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. So you're in, in Tampere now, but 
you are also having some new plans if you want to talk about them. Yeah, actually, this is quite a new newest update, but I will move to Helsinki next month for my new you, job. <laughs> you got it. You got it first here at the Flick Lab. Yeah, I haven't maybe. told anybody yet, but. <laughs> Great. I, I hope you like it. I believe yeah, Hendrik is you. not a big fan, but <laughs> so it goes. I, I'm a big fan of people having new jobs. I'm just not a big fan of Helsinki. <laughs> ah. <laughs> too big for you? Too big, too noisy, too busy. And also, I'm more traditional thing in the sense that I really need kind of the forest areas around me, kind of 24-7. Hmm. So to me... Helsinki is also too much high rises, too much suburbia. Ah, interesting. My point of view was that uh, Finland had or Helsinki had too little amount of high rises, and I feel quite at home in Warsaw in mm. comparison. <laughs> I don't know. It has like a big uh, city vibe here to me, <laughs> but <laughs> something like Tokyo or Kyoto would be a different story, I believe. <laughs> So ice hockey is not just yet taking over football as your favorite sport or anything? Uh, not <laughs> yet, but I'm trying to understand how all the ice hockey rules work, because apparently it is one of the most popular sports in Finland. So, mm. Yeah, it's actually a quite simple sport to understand. You were wondering whether you'd survive life in Finland with the kind of food that we have, but <laughs> I, <laughs> I heard that you're more used to it by now. Yeah, like when I first came to Finland, I was a bit worried if I could make it in this country because <laughs> there were, for example, like potatoes were everywhere. <laughs> like <laughs> if you go to student restaurant, they have like French fries, mashed potatoes, baked potatoes at the same time. Yeah, that can be kind of a cultural shock. Yeah. Is there some foods that you're missing from Japan? Um. Yeah, there are many homemade traditional food cooked by your for example your families but yeah. these days there are so many japanese restaurants in finland so that's helping me a lot like sushi or ramen but it's probably not on the same level as back home ah, ah yeah i kind of give up on expecting same level <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe henrik wants to go first uh, what do you like about Japan or Finland, like some things that would come off the top of your head. Like what? What do I like in Japan, which I have never visited at all? Well, we are like moving. That, that, that's your so. opening question. That's my opening question. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, the the video games have been for me personally a ah. big experience. Like I don't know if you know this game, which Henrik loves, by the way, uh, Shenmue. Shenmue. Yeah, it's a Chinese word, as I understand. It's a name of a tree. Okay. It's like a big adventure game, and at the time it was like the one of the biggest open world exploring games that you have. So, and the most expensive game at the time. <laughs> and uh, as you can clearly know, this absolutely no one except you actually knows or cares about the game. Yeah, uh, shockingly. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm used to it by now. <laughs> All right. All right. How, how are you prepared for the long winter now? Like, how, how does it feel to start the long Kamos time once again, like the dark period? <laughs> That's a really good question. Well, yeah. I would say sauna helps you a lot during this dark, cold winter. 
And the right. thing is, since I moved to Helsinki, I have to, I have to find a new apartment somewhere. So yeah. I'm hoping to find some apartment that is located close to some public saunas. Because if okay. you go, yeah, if you go to sauna, it kind of warms up your bodies, not just your bodies, but also your mindset as well. And you might also meet some people there. So that's one big thing for me. That's true. Have you had the chance to already try the traditional sauna, the wood sauna, without electricity? Uh, yes, of course, but not smoke sauna yet. <laughs> All right. So, tonight's film, The Blue Light, let's talk about it. I saw it for the first time probably when I was about the same age as the character is supposed to be here. Mm. So, maybe 17. And the film made a huge impression on me back when the DVD was released. Uh, Europe had this kind of an Asian movie lineup coming. Uh, Henrik knows the name probably. Asian Vision. A- Asian Vision, which was kind of a continuation of the worldwide cinema lineup. And my sister happened to just have this movie for some reason in her collection. She oh. doesn't remember why or how, but uh, <laughs> she bought it completely randomly. I heard that there's a similar plot device to this film that can be seen in another Japanese film, a Piero. And Daiki, when did you see this film for the first time? I think it was like 10 years ago. I think when I was in, was it high school probably? But before watching the movies, I actually, I have read the original book when I was in my junior high school. I happened to find the book in the library and... I read it. Okay. Do you still remember some bits and pieces of it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah, I do. Great. I was trying to look for it, but I couldn't couldn't actually find it from the big retailers, but maybe it's somewhere. I'm not sure if it has been even translated, but could be. Henrik, when did you see this film? I also came into contact with it. I I would hazard to guess at the same time as you did. Because I also found it when it was released in the Asian Vision lineup. Yeah. Henrik, did you look at the casting crew in detail? I, I did, but there really is not that much to say yeah. about the cast and crew from Finnish perspective. Or even, in, I would say, from Western perspective. Because most of the cast and crew is relatively unknown. This is, many of the actors are people who don't have that much acting credentials behind them they have worked as production assistants or special effects or in camera department or other aspects of filmmaking except acting the most i i I guess famous most well known in the west would be the main actor kazunari ninomiya who did appear in clint eastwood's letters from iwo jima and also in that Gantz live-action film that was released in Netflix, like, three or four years ago. But other than him, relative the cast and crew is relatively unknown. I would say the same goes also for the director of the film. Oh, well, actually, when it comes to Nina Gawa, the director, mm-hmm. I understand that he is somewhat a well-known name in Japan and has made very artistic films. Yeah. Don't know if Daiki is aware of this director better. Yeah, actually, um, I would say he's one of the most famous. Uh, he's not 
concentrating on movie, but he's, he's really famous for like theater, like all the shows. Yeah, right. Yeah. He had a theater background, unfortunately passed away a couple、yeah. of year, years ago. Yeah. Interesting fact is that the leading actors, Kazunari Ninomiya and、uh, Aya Matsura, they、yeah. are both singers, yeah? Yeah, and this Kazunari Ninomiya is probably the, one of the most popular, not just singers, but also actors and, all, and also idol or some model. Right. Yeah, he might not be internationally well known, but in Japan everybody knows him. Right. I guess it's for both like pop. Music. Yeah, pop, <laughs> pop music <laughs> that many young people are crazy for. And、uh, Nino Mia was in some kind of a boy band, at least before?、Um, yeah, like it's not boys' band, but in Japan we have this kind of, how do you say, boys' group called Janis、okay. Junior kind of things. Like where many good looking guys belong to that group and they make some kind of music groups, like usually two people or five people. And this Ninomiya belongs to one of the most popular group called Arashi. Right. They are, st- they are still singing there. Can you translate to us the title, <laughs> unless it's the same thing as in English? This Aono Hono? Yeah, Aono Hono actually means blue fire, not blue light. Oh, yeah. Which,、okay. Yeah, which is one interesting point, I would say. I think we will get back to that.、Uh, it has something to do with radiation. So.、Mm. All right, let's go to the scene by scene if Henrik has no alternative motives. Well, whenever have I had alternative motives? Would be the first. Let's go to it. So, we actually start the film with the road racer, or road racer. <laughs> <laughs> the movie actually ends also with the same thing.、Mm-hmm. There is one song from. I understand from Pink Floyd, the post war dream, the cover, the world according to Shuichi, or as he puts it, like my favorite things, my favorite road racer, the world as I see it from my road racer. It's a very important part of the film. And there are some interesting aspects that you can look into the whole road racer, which we can get to later. And then we get to the classroom. Okay, our cast of characters. So we have indeed Shuichi. Played by Ninomiya. We have Ayamatsura playing Noriko Fukuhara. Then we have the guy with the knife from the same class, character named Ishioka Takia.、Mm. And then we have uh, uh, the family mom and then Sone, the bad guy of the film, so <laughs> to speak. Also, one important character, sort of in this film, which is not shown on the screen, is the dog of Noriko.、Mm. There is one quote、uh, Do you know why Ishioka has stopped coming to school? I heard that you got him so upset that he hit his parents and his brother. Shuichi just says that what's wrong with that? If people won't listen, you have to use force. Interesting.、Mm. And there is talk about this lack of imagination that, in the opinion of Shuichi, the dogs lack. Do dogs lack imagination, Henrik? Well, I, I don't know. Do you? I mean, y- you came up with the idea of, of, of an international film podcast. <laughs> What? <laughs> That's very nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, sure, you're right. Once again, coming from, with an existential question and completely out <laughs> of the bushes and trying to ambush me with one. That's why we have cutting, Henrik, so take as long as you want. <laughs> 
I'm the, I'm the the force pushing all the questions to your direction. <laughs> but apparently murder requires imagination. Shuichi is played as a kind of a bully in the opening scenes. Interestingly, kind of a less so when we go more further in the film. We get to home again and um, Shuichi is going on about his imagination. I'm not losing it. I have a lot of things to do before I hang myself. So there is already this kind of dialogue in the air. Maybe he's just joking, hard to say. But I feel that the concept of the asshole, as he puts it, in the subtitles anyway, is coming a little bit abruptly. He says, how do I get rid of that asshole? I have to think of something. It wasn't, like, I think at all yet established this character at this point. Well, the kind of asshole side of Son is never really that well established in the film altogether. You are being told as an as an audience member that, that Son is someone who abuses the family and is somehow irredeemable dickwad, but you are never actually shown that strongly that side. There, there are a couple of instances where Son, the, the stepfather figure of the film, does act hostile towards the family members. He does yell, yell at Haruka, he does yell at Suji's mom. But you, for example, you never actually get to see the world famous abuse and beatings that Son is supposed to dish out to the, fa- to the members of the family unit. You get it told via the dialogue, and there are a couple of scenes where you can actually see it. But that's also one of the, the things that the movie is kind of playing, I feel. Every person, I think, has some goodness in them. Well, obviously this film is not only about what you see on the surface. By the end, you have to come and understand that there are consequences to your actions, obviously but that maybe those actions should have not been taken in the first place because there is always you know, different angles to look at. Kinda yeah, that's also a topic that ties very closely to the character of Chuichi, who himself is also quite a lot of asshole throughout the film. So it's, mm. it's asshole taking an action against another asshole for that asshole being an asshole. <laughs> then we have the dinner scene. And yeah, this goes in an interesting uh, order. So first we are talking about how do I get rid of that asshole. And then we have the dinner scene where we are establishing the asshole. And the asshole is behind the curtain. Do you want something? Sake. And that's all. Shuichi raises his voice a lot, I felt, for, for a Japanese in this household. And as far as I could hear, was speaking in a rather disrespective way to her mother. I don't know if Daiki noticed something like this. Yeah, like he was talking as if that guy, Sone, was somebody like he never knows. Like, I mean, even though he is kind of part of the family because he was before married to Shuichi's mom, but Shuichi was speaking in a way that that guy is totally somebody unknown. Yeah, even though he had been there for 10 years, I understand. Yeah. Then Shuichi goes to the lawyer talks about Sone. He just appeared one day, ten days ago. Lawyer said that he seemed nice at first, but started drinking and hitting the mother. This is the same lawyer that was handling the divorce of the mother and Sone. And she divorced him as she was afraid of for the kids and that he would kill Shuichi. 
Interestingly, Suitsi is unable to remember if he was beat up or not. But sister apparently was. Maybe Suitsi was just too young to remember. Suitsi being unable to actually establish how or if he even was being abused by Sone is something that kind of makes Suitsi an unreliable narrator throughout the film. And that is one of the points why it's kind of so hard to say how much of an asshole Sone is. Because it, it's a classic example of this film telling you that something has happened and because of this Sone is a bad person, but you are actually never shown Sone committing the acts that he's being accused. Well, th- there is a lot of a lot of hints though about uh, Sone being terrible inside the household. For example, uh, Shuichi, when he was asked to to draw the picture of Sone, it was Sone inside the mouth of a lion. And then he lied about what was happening in that picture to his mother. All these little bits and pieces, something was definitely off. And this guy certainly is off. He, after all, comes back to this household because he supposedly has cancer. Even though he came there to see the sister or or his daughter, he completely kind of ruins the, ruins the moment and starts hitting her or whatever the case was in the hallway. Well, he, he what he was doing, he was mostly just yelling at his daughter. And yelling at the woman of the film, it's it's something that Suichi himself is quite guilty of doing also. Like that, that is the go-to reaction of Suichi himself. There actually is quite a lot of parallels between how Sone acts and how Suichi acts. Like the drinking, the shouting, the bouts of rage... Yeah, that's and, one of the interesting aspects of the film for me. Yeah, like and yeah. and with Suichi, it actually comes also accompanied by some other toxic behavior patterns. Like, for example, Suichi being completely unable to tell the lawyer how he himself has been abused in the past by Sone, even though that should be a major thing, something that would play into Suichi's favor. But when lawyer asks Suichi about it, Suichi simply goes with the memory haze. It was so long ago, I can't remember. It's all awake in my head. Right. There is also the moment when Suichi is kind of explaining and imagining the terror that the fo- wom- woman of the household would be feeling because of Sone. So it's something that Suichi makes the case that mom and his mother and his sister probably are lying in their beds, terrified out of their mind, covering their ears with their hands because of Sone. You are never actually shown this in, in any way in the film. This is just something that Suichi is most definitely certain that is going on. That how the women are acting when Sone is around. There is also the notion that Suichi kind of feels that as a man of the household, he's the only one who can actually deal with Sone in any way. It's his responsibility to take action, and he has to be the one who saves the maidens of his home from this abusive entity that is his stepdad. And this is where we come to the Japanese family dynamics. The Japanese are very family-oriented and willing to defend their family at all costs. Is this right, yeah? Daiki? Yes, I agree with you. Even though it's kind of changing these days, but at least many families are kind of tired of each other, Mm. in my opinion. 
Shuichi comes back, says that he went to meet the lawyer, Mr. Kano, and Shuichi is once again very angry, and says that I hope you're not planning to get together again. Actually, when I saw the facial reaction of the mother to this one, I definitely thought that something was going on again with her and Sone, but as the rest of the movie suggests, nothing was going on. That is my reading. Also, I don't think that there was any kind of a rape going on. I don't think this is what happened. And of course, you could read different things perhaps to the moment when the mother goes into the room of Sone mm. and tells Sone that you have to go now. Do you need money or what? And then they, we can hear some screams. Okay, maybe somebody read it as having actually sex, but I think that is pushing it. It was physical abuse. After all, Shuichi is coming with a baseball bat, but then stops himself. Yeah, actually, in the original book, they were kind of sleeping there, like sleeping together. Oh. Yeah, but in the movie, you can read in several different ways. But in the book, it was written in the more explicit ways, like more detailed scenes where Sone and Shuichi's mom were sleeping together there. Yeah, like in the book, it was more like expressive, like it was written in a way that her mom was sleeping with Sone there, not being abused. So that was one confusing point when I watched the movie. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I guess the facial expression of the mother to this, I hope you're not planning to get together again. Maybe it was supposed to suggest that Shuichi should just feel foolish for asking such of a stupid question. But I guess you can read it as you like. Then we get to the painting class for the first time. And Shuichi is uh, talking about the, his friend's uh, painting. He's saying, what's Doraemon doing in a seascape? <laughs> Maybe you can tell to our listeners who don't know what is uh, Doraemon. Doraemon is Japanese national comic character. It's, it's a robot shaped. Right. Like, it, it has, how do you say, cat shaped robot and... Doraemon has huge pocket on his belly and from the pocket he can get you like several different gadgets and machines. Okay, right. It's quite hard to explain, <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like fun. Yeah, this is uh, by a Japanese manga artist, Fuchiko Fuchio. Yeah. Uh, Shuichi says that that's not a Doraemon, it's a cloud, damn it. <laughs> then there's a little bit of a chaos accidentally messes the friend's face with the paint and I'm sorry, sucker. And once again, we see that Shuichi is not the nicest person to be around. Shuichi can be very mean and Noriko's watercolors, I think, get destroyed during the fight. After the class runs to Noriko, first runs actually past her, <laughs> then runs back to Noriko. I'm, I'm not sure why. I thought it was pretty funny. Apologizes for destroying the colors. <laughs> oh, then we get to spar. The convenience store. Yeah. We used to have a spar in Finland. The shop guy is being a fool there, taking martial arts pose and goofing for the camera. I really like this type of randomly occurring humor, and there's a lot of, lot of moments like this in this film. So we find out that Chuichi has borrowed a knife from Ishioka, his classmate, keeps it from him as he would likely do some foolish things with it. Gives Ishioka a drink when he comes to the place. Henrik, did you read that this was actually a robbery? Or I, I think I understood it that uh, Shuichi would be kind enough to actually go to the register and pay for it himself. 
Uh, I really wouldn't believe that Suichi would actually chip in the puddle <laughs> from his own pocket. Probably. And there's good locations for like casual conversations all the time, which I really like about this film. For example, now we get to the aquarium and Noriko and Suichi are having a meeting there. It tells how he took the knife from Ishioka to avoid a worse situation and told the Ishioka to instead beat up the family instead of knifing them. Level lower of violence. And we're introduced to the whole dog story. Noriko eavesdropped about the dog conversation at school. I'm not a dog, is what Noriko's dog says in its sleep, apparently. <laughs> Shuichi lies about the notebook drawing, says, did a yawning lion with eyelashes. <laughs> Baseball bat incident. So here, here it's where it's kind of reaching the high point with Sone's actions. I have to say that, uh, like, Kazunari Ninomiya is extremely good in this role. Yeah. I haven't seen any of his other work, but he's a really great actor, judging from this. Like, all the posture and the facial expressions and colorful voice. Maybe unusually colorful for a Japanese actor. Could be. Yeah, I feel the same way. Okay. Uh, being a singer probably doesn't hurt in this kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Knows how to use the voice. And then mother gives uh, Sone some money for some reason and he goes away. Seems to be completely broke. And the mother comes front and tells everything. Well, not everything, but tells that indeed Haruka is not like a real sister, kind of a stepsister. Haruka was taken into the Sone family register after the divorce, and that's why Sone is there. She is thinking about adopting her, but it might take some time. On reaches 15, which is less than a year away. Right. Which is kind of an interesting note to make when looking at Suichi's actions, because the mom telling Suichi that basically they can get rid of Sone legally and technically after Haruka has, has turned 15, and she herself can make Make the decision for herself. Does she want to be adopted by Suichi's mom? It also means that basically what all that Suichi has to do from this point onwards is to play the waiting game. Like wait less than a year and Haruka can make this decision to be adopted. And after that, you know, there is actually no excuse for Sone at all to stay in the house. That's true. Mm. There's a lot of players. Looks like the mother also doesn't know about the terminal cancer or just conveniently doesn't mention it. But like everything indicates that she doesn't. Mother tells she has to go, gets supposedly beaten by Sone or whatever is happening there. And then Shuichi almost goes to stab him or use the baseball bat. And we're introduced to the concept of the blue light on TV about... Uh, this high-energy particle transmitted through water, which produces a blue glow called Cherenkov light, and can be seen in highly radioactive substances like spent nuclear fuel. Radioactive phenomena are considered very dangerous, da-da-da. So, yeah, this is uh, actually a real phenomena. Interesting choice for the name of the film. Shuichi spends a lot of time around the blue glow in his room, at least. So, yeah, he takes uh, another personality plays uh, Machuhika Shiro, the P.O. Box man. The film has, again, its weird kind of random humor going on. There is the P.O. Box guy who is fooling around with Shuichi. And then there is the concept of the tape recorder. 
He says that the tape recorder turns his pain into words. My words, the secret story about everything that troubles me. Which is kind of interesting because he's being completely open mm. about everything he does there. And uh, would be extremely discriminating evidence. Until he, of course, at the end gives the tape recorder away. Yeah, well, then again, Switch really is not a criminal mastermind. Pretty much, I would say, at no point of the film. No, there are a lot of stupid mistakes, like leaving the blood pressure monitor into the room of Sonne for no reason at all. Or even using the blood pressure monitor for that. Yeah, probably. Like, you probably would find out if the guy is uh, moderately awake, if the monitor is being put on him, so... Yeah, and, and Suitsi kind of a... When it comes to Suitsi's behavior, when it comes to the tools Suitsi uses, he starts to use and change his behavior just as he's about to commit the murder. And mm. that that makes it extremely obvious to everyone who comes in contact with either Suitsi himself or the tools he uses that there there has been a rapid change around this one time period. Like... For example, to, to give another example from Suitsi's side, Suitsi, who is being established as hardcore biker, who always uses his bike, then all of a sudden one random day decides to tell his friends that he has taken the train instead of his bike, which is a rapid change in behavior, and he does this on the same day that he is to commit the actual murder. Like, yeah, this is really silly. If he would have, you know, give it even like a few weeks and keep doing this same behavior, like going painting outside and instead of like a bike, you take the train. So it would not raise any eyebrows, but definitely not a criminal mastermind, at least in this film. <laughs> I feel that this film overall has like a kind of a spellbinding effect. There's this slow piano music and slow motion and blue light. Blue light-tinted night scenes, a lot of blue light, and I think it's very gently shot and kind of mesmerizing. It is at times, mm -hmm. and then again, at other times, it's once again, it, it is kind of the movie that you have seen already quite a many times. Like, there, there really is not in, in blue light, in my opinion, in the film, there is not that revolutionary element. It is a slow-paced drama which revolves around family abuse and murder. And no, that no, is no. something that y you kind of have seen already quite often. No, I would argue that it's actually not about that much at all. I mean, that's what it's on the surface, but it's not so much about uh, what is happening there, but how it's happening, how it's affecting the characters, which we, yeah, we have seen before in a way. But... Um, I feel that this movie brings a lot of interesting questions, like he shouldn't have done it in the first place, and there is the symbolism with the road racer, which is actually very interesting. It seems that the road racer is the only like stable thing in his life from beginning to end. The road racer is never there to judge Shuichi's actions. It's never there to say that you're wrong or right or to be sad for him or happy for him. It's just there as a stable kind of a character of its own. It's bringing this lightweight humor to moments of seriousness. Kind of reminding the audience that while all, all these bad things are happening, there is still something good out there to hold on to. Reminds the audience of the normal. Mm. 
I most definitely really did not read that much into the Road Racer. I think you should read a little bit more to the Road Racer, because it's all over the film. Road Racer itself is, and and sure, it, it, it is a thematical element. It is something that is used to kind of speak something out of the character, but to give it that much ground, like... Most definitely. No, no, I, I didn't see the humorous elements in the Road Racer... There, there was later on in the film once the once the cop character is being introduced to the mix, but to, to, to see the road racer as a humorous character on its own right, to see it as some kind of a stabilizing force, I, I didn't read that much into it. Well, it is. It's also mentioned in the last moments of the film as one of his, you know, favorite things. It, it, it is his favorite thing because it is a way how he can escape kind of the situation in his home. He can pedal fast and travel fast with, with his road racer. It is something that he can reassemble on his whim, which something that he can change and kind of mechanically tune. It is an element that he can control, and it is an element that serves as a way of an escape for him. Yeah, it's his escape. And he also says that it's kind of his viewpoint to life, sitting on that saddle. Yeah. That's where he is feeling the life. So, yeah, and uh, in, I, 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 I've seen that and been on the saddle already. And in, in a sense, it's making at the end very much the point that the character is not bad, the character is not necessarily good. It was a high school kid, basically. Just a normal kid who made some bad decisions and... I think everybody has had some bad ideas in their life. But unfortunately, Shuichi took it too far and had to pay for the consequences. That still didn't change the rest of him that much. Making the point that things can go really awry in some lives. That's just how it is. A prisoner of uh, of happenstance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fil- film does make that point. There, There is the obvious spot fish tank metaphor to drive the prisoner theme home. But it, it, once again, it, it comes down to the question, should Suichi still be condemned for his actions? Well, most likely, yes. I, I would say, too, that yes, he, he should. And that act of condemning him, kind of also at the same point, does make him a bad guy of the film. In a sense, but with a lot of character to him. Yeah, yeah, a, a lot of character granted, but w- w- once again, that to make the case that he's not a bad character, like he's not a bad seed, despite the actions he does, I, I don't think does it stretch that far. Like he's 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 a murderer that has a lot of character in him, and he's a murderer that is surrounded by situation that does to a point, make his actions understandable. But at the same time, he's also a murderer who was asked to wait less than a fucking year, and he could have actually tried to solve the situation legally through Haruka being adopted to the family and that being grounds for the mom to kick Sone off the house. But did you take into the consideration that how Shuichi sees the situation, which is that... uh... He sees that he is going to rape or harm his sister, which, which is a big deal, and that he would possibly kill one of them. So he 
decides to take the matter into his own hands before it is too late. He, yep, yeah, that he does, but at the same time, once again, those are elements that simply exist in Suichi's head and they are not being established as facts to the audience. Yeah, but that's what he Suichi feels. Suichi has the, has, has the mental image that that is something that might happen. That is what Suichi fears, but his fears are never actually confirmed. Yep, yep, that's the story of the film. Like, uh, that's what he feels, that's how, that's why this leads into consequences. Yeah, still keep Suichi as a murderer. Still keep Suichi as a character who could have just tried to play the waiting game. At no point did I even suggest that he is not a murderer. Most definitely he is. Yeah. And, and murderer kind of is is your first step into being a bad guy. The murder is now done between the painting class. He goes with the bike to home and on the way leaves one of those paintings there in a sack. Then goes home, kills the guy, comes back and then takes the other painting, which is more finished, brings it to the class. Unfortunately, Noriko notices that this painting is dry. So something weird is going on, and she also didn't see Shuichi outside of the school. Well, granted, like Noriko says that that I didn't see you outside, but to Shuichi's defense, the concept of outside is kind of a wide, so that's not kind of a thing to go on with. Hmm. But yeah, Operation Roasted Chicken is over, and then we get to the police interview shortly afterwards. He has already made a lot of mistakes. Well, he has been spotted by his classmate and Noriko knows something mm. and then raises his voice a little bit or gives a different kind of tone for the chief when he's talking about the family that it only consists of the three people and not that asshole. Yeah, but it's not surprising that he had to done it in 50 minutes. So, <laughs> Yeah. And when the mom arrives, you can see from her face that she's very much doubting what Shuichi might have been doing. And kind of immediately it seems to suggest that uh, Shuichi's mother is suspecting of Shuichi. Mm. So they talk about it. He's dead, it's over. The police told me you took the train to school today. Interesting that the police is so, so much already looking into Shuichi and has already like looked what kind of a transportation he was taking. To mother it's somehow very important here. Is it rude when uh, the mother says Oyasumi no Sai and then uh, Suichi says Oyasumi? <laughs> uh, no, it's not rude. <laughs> okay, yeah. It's just kind of repeating, but in a yeah. short... Yeah. yeah. Noriko pestering about where to finish the painting. I think it truly really doesn't matter. I'm not sure why Noriko is so obsessed about that. Brings the painting home. There's dinner. Police call to say that uh, Sone died of natural causes, a heart attack. Yeah. And they want the family to pick up the body. Okay, how do you pick up a body? <laughs> like, I suppose there's supposed to be some kind of a crew of people who are going to travel with the body. Or I don't know how it goes in Japan. Hmm, yeah. Unfortunately, I don't really understand that part. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe it's a good thing. <laughs> then laughs to himself kind of a maniacally as he hears the news that uh, it looks like a complete accident. This is one of those weird moments in the film. Like, Noriko is standing with an umbrella and says that somebody took her umbrella. And then Shuichi just goes, really? That's too bad. And leaves with an umbrella. Oh, wow. <laughs> Shuichi, what's, what's bugging you? But then you see in this next shot 
they are both walking away under the same umbrella. <laughs> Did you catch that? Yeah, it doesn't make that much sense. Right. Well, maybe he tried to play the bad guy and then turned himself around. Yeah, maybe he's a teenager, so he wanted to offer the umbrella, yeah. but maybe not enough to be confident. In. Yeah. Maybe no. it's all circumstantial since you don't actually see any of that in the film. Mm. Noriko talks about the dog once again. And, well, that happens around the entire film. But what's the importance of Noriko in this film? I felt that uh, Noriko is kind of the good side here and kind of being childish and bringing out all those things about her dog and being some kind of a balancing element. But she goes on about, uh, I went outside, but you weren't there. Also, second point, why was your painting dry when you got back? And third, have you looked at your painting recently? You should, especially on a rainy day like this. And why? You might want to think about it. So Switchy leaves the girl at the train and then runs hastily back to the school. <laughs> and there's a, this teacher is rocking his socks off on the way. <laughs> it's a really random situation of humor. I really love this kind of randomly in inserted bursts of hilarity. So checks out his own painting, pushes it from behind. It it does showcase that the painting has been exposed to humidity since it sacks from the middle. Like uh, it, when there's humidity in the air, the can canvas does react to it. Same same way as the canvas can also and the paint on the canvas can also react for example if the painting has been exposed to humidity and then it dries up and by the way the teacher's painting is quite something like there's a bear on top of a woman who has been perhaps clawed into scalpel level pieces in, in the sense of accuracy but yeah somebody has taken the old painting from the shore but has nothing to do with noriko and then we got the hot spar where there is the revelations time And Ishioka is uh, extorting Shuichi to give him 300,000 yen in exchange for the painting. I actually checked this because we're the Flick Lab. So in the year 2003, 300,000 yen equaled 2,587 USD, which in today's USD in 2019 would be 3,609 USD. Not even that much of a money. But yeah, well, well, okay, student and everything. Well, yeah, student and everything, still pretty hazy excuse to act, to commit your second murder. Hmm. Mm. Back to home, Haruka barges in, asking whether or not she is the biological sister in the family. Shuichi tells that of course she is, and tells about the cancer, and then, then Shuichi is like, oh, damn, I kind of killed the guy for no reason at all, in actually two ways at least. Or three ways. The guy probably wasn't that much of a hassle, maybe, and would have died anyway, and would have left anyway, after the adoption process. Once again, we get to like a pretty interesting set for just a situation where characters are talking. This is what I like about this film, through and throughout. They're now at the dinosaur exhibition. Shuichi doesn't have the money, but then <laughs> makes his blackmailer to be the fake robber in his hot spar. And there is talk about the knife situation. Like Suichi says he has made a copy of Ishioka's knife. And that's what he's supposed to use in the robbery. Suichi does need a dull blade for Ishioka to use in the robbery so that he can actually wrestle with, the, with Ishioka 
without any danger to himself. And at the same time, he does need an exact same type of knife that actually does have the sharp edge on it, so that he can take that knife and use it to kill Ishioka. But had Suichi been a little bit smarter, he would have, of course, called it quits here. There's too many people evidently have already kind of discriminating evidence against him. He definitely should be killing any more people at this point. He could have run away or commit suicide at this point, but he still takes his chances. Yeah, well, to say something in Suichi's defense, the thing with, with blackmail is that you can actually never be completely sure if the blackmailer will leave you alone after you have first given him the money and would not come back later on to demand and blackmail you more. So so in that sense, when it comes to Suichi getting his blackmailer, there, there is some logic behind that one. Mm-hmm. I, I would say there is more logic in for Suichi to kill Ishioka than there was to kill Sone. Yeah, then we get back to the glass box at home. In Shuichi's room, Haruka is there now, asks if Shuichi indeed killed Sone. And uh, I believe the Japanese word for this is uh, this moment was Yappari. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, uh, Daiki, about the situation? Is Does it make any more sense for Shuichi to go for the second murder at this point? Yeah, because I think in his first murder he was planning really closely. And after his mom told him that, the police told her that Sonne died because of the disease. And then after that scene, Shuichi was laughing on the bed because he thought, okay, I'm perfect. Yeah. So I thought after that incident, Shuichi started thinking that, okay, he could have, he could also kill Ishioka with his perfect, double quotation, perfect plans. <laughs> yeah, that that's a good point. Uh, Ishioka makes, makes the notion that... Uh, he always thinks he's like better than everybody else and just does good deeds to like show off basically or take advantage. Yeah, but I didn't expect that that kind of yappari scene that where <laughs> Shuichi admitted that he killed Sone came that early. Yeah, same. And everybody's reaction is kind of mild to this situation. That happens with her. It happens with Noriko. Well, she knew already, right? At yeah. that point. All right. So there is the struggle. Uh, gives the knife of Ishioka to Ishioka at the exhibition, except the rubber version. After killing him in the spar, he sends the knife that was used to kill him to where exactly? Maybe I'm being a kind of a dumbo here again, but is he now sending it to Ishioka? Which doesn't make any sense because that's the murder weapon. And is he sending it to, to himself? That doesn't make sense either. Well, it, it it's never established where does Suichi send the knife. But the thing that would make most sense would be if Suichi would be mailing the knife to himself. <laughs> well, so it doesn't sound like a very good idea, especially now that it's not even in a green little plastic bag or something to protect it from possible scanning, which maybe doesn't take place. But come on, you're just putting it like that into a mailbag. Yeah, well, well, once, once again, Suichi can be sure that the police will actually search through the hotspot premises and will perform a thorough sweep inside the shop. So in that sense, Suichi has to somehow get the knife out of the shop 
quickly so that the police wouldn't find it. And actually the old mailing trick that has been used used before in real life could actually be something that might be seen as the most logical, kind of the most smart action to do on the given situation. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I actually agree with you because after maybe a couple hours after he killed uh, Ishioka, maybe the mailman would have, mm. you know, taken the knife because they have, have to carry all the stuff to somebody else. So that actually, that might be, I don't know if I can call this good idea, but if you want to hide that kind of stuff from the incident place, maybe that might be a good idea. <laughs> yeah, you would think that they would be sweeping also the mailbox, but okay, they, they don't. Familiar face appears now at the hot spa. The, the same cop comes to the new murder scene and cop is very suspicious at this point, of course. Here's the ice cream scene and wants to see Shuichi tomorrow. Mom does try the road racer now. It's very important in this film. Like many people try this. But I don't think that it's that hard to control the road racer. Everybody seems to be <laughs> struggling immensely. Yeah. It's just like a, like a very known brand of bike in Japan or something. Because I, I don't think so. What kind of brand was it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Road racer brand. <laughs> <laughs> no, haven't heard of that. <laughs> But yeah, like I said, this uh, this bike is kind of a some kind of a relief to place to escape. I feel it just is there the best friend for Shuichi, and starts and ends the film, kind of the silent observer of everything. Then there's the interrogation. Do you think I took the knife from him and used it to kill him? It would still be self-defense response, Steve Chief. Well, fact is, he has used a different knife. To handle the guy. Like, it's supposed to be the knife of Ishioka. So, his explanation, his story, his alibi is that he, the Ishioka just landed on, on his own knife. Yeah, basically his own knife. That, that is the official story of Shuichi. Well, that's really a dumb idea, indeed. Uh, kinda, kinda. Like, ye- yes and no. The, the way how Shuichi tries to present the events is that it was just pure accident. Mm. In that case, Shuji would have not have had any kind of a part in what what happened outside of tackling Ishioka. And with, with that, Shuji can still make the case that he never actually meant Ishioka to get seriously hurt. Mm. It, it was just, you know, the circumstances being out of his control. With the narrative that Shuji as a self-defense would have started to wrestle the knife out of Ishioka and st- then stab him as a self-defense measure that could lead Shuichi in, in the waters of using way too harsh force, using way too lethal force as a self-defense. Mm, it's a topic that is kind of hard to approach. In West, we use the Roman Germanic legal system. And that's not the one they use in Japan. Mm. So. Yeah, basically you would probably be prosecuted for, I don't know, 10 years for using self-defense. It seems to be that there is a lot of cases where... In in Finland, that could, that could be a noticeable risk. Throwing one punch too many in mm. heat of the moment that can land you in trouble and kind of tarnish your whole self-defense excuse. 
which is kind of incredible because like you said heat of the moment like how do you calculate this so perfectly when you're at the heat of the moment you don't that 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 is the problem the however the counter argument that exists is that if the definition would be more relaxed it could be used as an excuse to actually well beat up and severely beat up and abuse the attacker what does Daiki think? How would uh, Shuichi fare in a situation where he would have gone with the self-defense explanation? Yeah, I think he kind of wanted to avoid the situation where people are saying, yeah, you didn't have to kill him even though it was self-defense. That's why Shuichi was explaining to the police that it wasn't an accident. He didn't stop uh, Ishioka. It was accident where Ishioka kind of accidentally started lying to the ground when they were kind of fighting on the ground and then the knife accidentally hmm. came to stop to his belly i think so that's his explanation but apparently professional police officers the situation looked super weird if it was just accident yeah so in japan it's a little bit more relaxed uh, in uh, in law when it comes to self-defense so what do you think um that's a good question i think it's not super relaxed like you Self-defense is completely fine, but you don't have to kill. Yeah. All right. So now Chief, after the interrogation, wants to also try the bike, which is not a bike. It's a road racer. It's not too successful. It's 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 just unbelievable that it, he's having so much trouble with that. But okay, well, then we got to the school. There's The teachers, they don't know anything about the circumstances yet. They, they are facing the situation towards Shuichi like he has done something terribly wrong. They shouldn't, I think, say anything at this point. They weren't there. They haven't seen the tapes. So in that sense, any takes on that? Were they fair for Shuichi? They weren't fair, but they were kind of a humane in the situation. Mm, raising a lot of voice, which I guess doesn't happen too, too many times in Japanese school system. Or maybe it does. <laughs> Uh, it does. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Classroom also goes completely silent when Shuichi walks in and then Shuichi decides to leave and goes into the art club classroom and Noriko comes in, says her dog died. She goes to the window now like Shuichi and Shuichi comes back again, turns around and says that screw this art class and they go to Shuichi's house, talks about how the bike hanging from the ceiling is like the bike had hanged himself or itself and this creeps out Noriko or so it seems. She comes back though after initially leaving. Interesting quote from Noriko. I don't want to remember his color or how big he was talking about the dog. I don't want to be some kind of a TV digest looking back on all the superficial details. Interesting. Like So she comes back and uh, hands on uh, and, and her hand is uh, surprisingly now on the opposite side of the glass box. And it's beautiful. It's like they like each other very much. But yeah, they have distance. They can't reach each other now because of this situation. Then faces Noriko finally at the train station and says that he has indeed killed someone. Only now that he is coming forward with this, he is kind of able to get closer to Noriko physically. And they have kind of a sort of a hug at the moment. The truth makes them closer for a little while. I have killed someone. I see. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> police and mother are then connecting. Police chief comes into her shop and they talk about Shuichi. What 
he sees the Shuichi doing throughout the film. Once again, there's an additional point of interest. There is the kid is playing with the vending machine while they are talking, kind of providing a distraction and, and point of interest. The director is really good with this. That's what the good directors do. That This kid's behavior also. With the vending machine, you could say that it's kind of synchronized with the point of their discussion and related tension of anger, starting kicking this. And Haruka tries to stop the police from interfering, but they take Shuichi away and lies to Haruka that he will be back. And then the chief goes through the entire story. like. But he does add something here to what we already know. Apparently the Heat had loosened the crown from Sone's teeth. They also found the transformer and the wire. They were actually at Ishioka's place, so he had additional evidence against Shuichi in case he would have needed it. Yeah. Once again, in our long lineup, if you commit a murder and get blackmailed for it, when you are killing your blackmailer, make goddamn sure that you actually ask for the discriminating evidence to be handed to you. Yeah. Yeah, but Daiki, did you feel that Shuichi already kind of forgot his penalty at the end of the film? Or what's your feeling about, did you feel that something should have been happening to Shuichi, he should have been put into jail or or some kind of a different punishment? or? Yeah, well, this might be a bit different point, but one point I found it a bit weird is after the detective like tried to solve all the mysteries with him and he kind of admitted that he killed two people, but he asked the detective to leave the place to say bye to his friend, which is Noriko. Yeah. And then I was wondering how come the detective let him go, and then, you know, he could have gotten some kind of punishment, but instead he kind of ended up choosing killing himself in the end of the movie, so... True, that seems kind of like a stretch, to say the least, from the chief. But taking into consideration that the, the chief is actually way more to Shuichi than yeah. is being suggested by a dialogue, for example, where he, Shuichi says to Noriko at the end of the film that he seems like a very unlikable guy, which yeah. I didn't believe. Yeah. Because it suggested that that definitely to him this is the closest when it comes to father figure that yeah. he has had, at least in like at around this age. Yeah. And that's why I think the chief trusts him. And that's why they share the long stare at the end. Mm. That's why he is offering him ice cream because he was trying to be very nice. He kind of likes Shuichi and maybe there could have been something more if they weren't in this situation where they found themselves to the kid is a murderer. So oh dear. So just so that you you know Kari that next time you are actually planning on doing a contemplated murder. The cop offering you ice cream or offering you a cup of coffee or something like that, it is also an interrogation tactic. Okay. Yeah. So don't don't, don't fall for that one. N- not so that this podcast would be all about k- kind of a g- giving the listeners tips and tricks on how to pull off murder and getting away with it, but m- mo- most definitely, if, if the cop comes to you and o- offers you something, like drink, a sandwich... Ice cream. It's an interrogation tactic, also. Mm. It's an interrogation tactic, but there, it's a really important final moment when the chief says to Shuichi that he wanted to know him better and there's a long stare, suggesting that there was more feelings towards 
these two characters. Asks the police chief, did you buy the road racer? The chief then laughs that, yeah, actually I did. And he had promised to buy some game machine for kids, but couldn't resist buying the road racer. Why? Shuichi asks. He says, what we pointed out earlier, I wanted to know you better. So, hearkening back again to the fact that this is Shuichi's point of view, and it's kind of a connecting moment. The chief is the father, really. He was friendly. Well, you could say he wasn't. I say he was. And this is the father he always wanted to be there, instead of Sone. Yeah, the, the cop in the end turns out to be the only adult male figure in the film who actually takes active attempts in, in trying to understand Shuichi. Yeah. And at the same point, uh, and this ties once again back into the kind of the toxicity of the male characters of the film, Suichi and Sone, who both are kind of a dickbags on their own right, but the cop here is the softest male figure that the film has. Like the least hostile, least shoutiest, least assholiest man that exists in the film. Yeah, of course, you can see that also as an interrogation method, which it very strongly is. But I guess we both three agree that there was something more than just interrogation between these two guys, that they had close connection and warm connection at the end of the film. What do you think, Daiki? Mm, That's a very (laughs) good point. I don't don't actually think so. Okay. Like, even from the beginning of the movie, because the police tried to be really friendly and telling him that he wanted to understand Shuichi, but it feels like they are totally different person. Mm. But still, he's way more experienced and professional, like real police. So, and on the other hand, Shuichi is still a 17-year-old guy, even though he's smart and calm guy. So it kind of tries to show that Shuichi couldn't win him at all. Yeah, true. But it's time to say goodbye for all the characters. There is this, once again, we see the reaching with the hand next to the glass box. Did you find any other symbolism there? Is it just, you know, reaching for something or or yearning some better times? Or do, did you make something out of that hand? I even started to look at, like, hand signals and, uh, you know, shadows made with hand gestures. But I couldn't find anything in that. <laughs> Me neither. Yeah. And his body language, after getting kind of his sentence, it's not lifeless at all. He's just happy, it seems. Also, when he's on his own in his room for the last time, he seems very loosened up. And uh, Noriko is drawing a picture of Shuichi in 30 years. The painting is in the middle of the room, and Shuichi is in the other end, and Noriko on the other end. The painting in between them is kind of kind of splitting them they never cross the barrier, the, the, the painting. They're always on the opposite sides and huge distance, emotionally and physically. His friends have been supportive in the interrogations towards Shuichi, but probably this as a part kind of got Shuichi as the suspect. Leaves the tape recorder there, says goodbye, goes on his road racer and turns it towards the oncoming truck. And there is the stare of Noriko towards the viewer, kind of breaking the fourth wall. And I was expecting this to be the last shot. However, we end with what looks like some kind of a hawk or eagle 
I'm not an ornithologist or anything, but the eagle could symbolize freedom at that moment, and I think it very much does. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Henrik, did you see anything in the eagle, hawk, bird? Uh, no, not outside of the freedom symbolism. Yeah. Also the possibility that that kind of is Suichi's soul continuing forward now mm. e- now as, as free since much like the eagle that can kind of travel great distances with great speed, that was also something that Suichi was and was doing throughout the film with his road racer. Yeah, the web of flies started eating on him from the first moment after the murder. The like colleagues started to ask him questions like, where are you on the train? Where are you not on the train? Did you see me? It immediately starts falling apart. And now he's free because everybody knows and it's over. But also really, really sad movie. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. And touches on the whole the suicide thing that uh, happens in Japan, which I understand has some of the highest suicide rates in the entire world, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah you are right. Yeah. But what is the reason for the suicide uh, most of all? Is it to you know keep the family image better? Yeah, I think that's the point, because if, uh, if he gets arrested and all the media is starting yeah. uh, showing it, then his mom and sister, which he likes or loves, might get yeah. a lot of attention from general publics and yeah right that's pretty much the film daiki and henrik should we go to the so-called quick categories henrik any anything to say here no i i think we can head to the quick categories which from experience i can say are anything else except quick (laughs) let's try though (laughs) because soon Overtime is gonna hit us, so... Favorite performance? I guess Henrik goes first. Uh, goes to Kazunari. Yeah, okay. For me as well, would go to Kazunari Ninamiya. What about uh, our guest of the night? Well, this is boring answer, but same here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, su- surprisingly is the guy who gets hawks most of the screen time mm. from, from the two-hour film. Not only, but I think through and throughout is able to give a very... Convincing performance here. Favorite scene? Would be that escalator scene oh. at the museum when the, when uh, Suichi and Ishioka are talking about the coming robbery or the fake robbery. Mm. Well, maybe it's the moment when, when there is the little family action there when Sona is trying to hurt the sister and uh, Kazunarinomiya gives a great performance with the baseball bat. <laughs> Uh, for me, when Shuichi was screaming in the teacher's classroom after he killed Ishioka. Powerful. Yep. Do you have any favorite quotes, Henrik? And this is once again roughly translated from the Finnish sub. Since I really don't speak Japanese, but sometimes a person ends up in a situation where you have to kill. Ah, uh, yeah. I would have chosen <laughs> that one also. That was one of the possible candidates. <laughs> for me, it was... You can be anonymous on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) I think that understanding has changed a little bit. (laughs) Well, yeah, that that was kind of a weird moment from the script wise. (laughs) Like, it does make sense that that is what Suichi... Like, those those are words coming from Suichi. And Suichi is kind of a dumb nuts who doesn't know any better. but But the whole... In internet, you can be anonymous and you can go to illegal websites. 
<laughs> like, ah. Did you have any favorite quotes? Yeah, like I think maybe in the beginning of the movie, Shuichi was saying, I'm fighting with the world alone or something like that, because I think it kind of shows mm. his state of mind in this whole mm. movie. Oh, can we get some Japanese into this podcast? How would you say it in Japanese, it, roughly? It was like, Boku wa hitori de sekai to tatakatte iru. Wow. Hen- <laughs> Henrik, are you in awe? <laughs> it's so great. Okay, uh, so what's our next category? Henrik, 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 Henrik. Favorite Henrik. kill. Favorite kill, which we probably will skip for the first time because I'm not really feeling it. Well, unless you have something really smart to throw into the ring. Uh, I don't know about smart, but my pick is Ishioka getting direct customer service. <laughs> oh, God. Um, well, once again, if I would go kind of lame, I would go with the death of the innocence and the consequences that are displayed afterwards in the film. It opens the Pandora's box. Anything from Daiki? Mm, well, <laughs> not really. <laughs> Yeah, like, forget this. this. <laughs> We've been thinking of skipping this one many times, but... All right. Yeah, this is... We have this category for our listeners who don't know, because we started with horror movies, and we have kept it in the show for whatever reason. My random confusing question is really silly. I'm not gonna even... Henrik, try something. I'm not gonna go with this one. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Oh. <laughs> like, I can't... Like, uh, if you would be planning up, how would you pull off the perfect murder? <laughs> I would pull it off perfectly in my mind and leave it at that. I guess that can get me discriminated as well. So, <laughs> Carrying on. First shot that comes to mind, Henrik. Would be the moment very from very end of the film when Suichi is lying in that glass box, that fish tank. Yeah, for me it's when Suichi is on the bike. I believe in the beginning of the film. That's what I. That's what comes first into my mind when I hear the name of the film. What about Daiki? Like for me, in the beginning, in the very beginning of the movie, Suichi was in the glass or how do you say water base, and he was trying to show his hands over the glass and like moving it and it looked kind of kind of strange yeah. but it kind of showing his kind of bit weird way of life <laughs> which shot best exemplifies this film what would you put in the poster of this film or uh the exact same shot that was the first image yeah that's hard to hard to beat i will go with the f- same one daiki yeah yeah same <laughs> Was there something that took you out of this film, Henrik? Not really. Same here. No, yeah, no. it's <laughs> it's keeping me addicted to it through and throughout. Mm. What about Daiki? Yeah, yeah. The yeah. time was flying. Definitely. What pulled you in, Henrik? I I I guess it would have been the kind of the opening of the background music. It, yeah, this is a really good theme on on piano. I feel. It's used a lot here, but it never became, becomes distracting for me. What about Daiki? Mm, I think that's like all the scenes where Shuichi was riding uh, this road racer and all the sceneries behind it, for some reason, it feels a bit nostalgic to me. So. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. 
Scissors of Sacrilege, Henrik, what would you change in this film? God forbid. I guess nothing. I wasn't as awe of the film as perhaps you two, but I I also kind of don't see an obvious flaw in, in the movie. Taiki? Mm, I could have, if I was a director, for example, I could have added a bit more humanistic scenes of Sone, because, like, he was always drunk and <laughs> asshole in the movie, but I kind of wanted to see him, his some other parts of Sone. Yeah, I have to agree with that view. The character overall of the Sone could have been more fleshed out. I'm not mm. saying that there could have been, like, more battling or something like violence because I don't think that's also not what the film necessarily wants to emphasize that much because it's leaving it to your interpretation more like what's going on there so yeah but yeah definitely yeah so so that kind of ends up being a character that becomes a character (laughs) after he leaves the film yeah yeah Mm, yeah yeah. all the consequences yeah and and basically you you learn most uh, about Sonne, like the, the most revolutionary things you, you hear about the man come from other people who are talking about him after his death. Mm. Mm. Like, for example, the whole cancer thing, mm. which comes out after Shuichi has already killed him. Yeah, that is so true. Henrik, you really know you're watching Aonohono when... You can't ride Street Racer either. <laughs> Either. What else Either. can't you write? Well, well, but outside of Shuichi, nobody in the in the film can ride a street racer. Racer, <laughs> and I, I, I would almost make the case that you can't either. You really know you're watching the blue light when you think what you see is just another crime drama, but there is a little bit more going on to decipher. And uh, Daiki? Well, this comes a bit from one of the lines, but uh, when you think that <laughs> no one should definitely be killed apparently but at the same time there might be some people who <laughs> end up having s- some super tough conditions or circumstances that make them feel like killing somebody so yeah mixed feelings that... <laughs> definitely three adjectives to describe the film oh henrik slow quiet and blue because that motive was really kind of pushed in in some scenes of the film, that that radiation and blue light. Um, I would say mesmerizing, sad, well performed. Let's say combination word. What about Daiki? Uh, I would say deep, humanistic, and thought provoking because this brings up so many questions. And depending on your perspective. True, Henrik. Did you look at your Omega while watching this film? I did a couple of times. Okay. I didn't. I was enjoying. Daiki? Yeah, maybe twice. <laughs> <laughs> you you were distracted by the film? <laughs> yeah, a bit. Okay. Uh, I had to stop the movie and think about something sometimes. Yeah, and I think it's a film that you will respect maybe more after a couple of more viewings. So yeah. you can see a little bit of more of the underlying stuff that we have been talking about. That being said, Henrik... Would you recommend The Blue Light for our um, listeners tonight? I don't know. I I guess would once again kind of be be those more careful, more lukewarm recommendations. Huh. There, there, there is nothing outright wrong with the film. It's very 
it's it's very capably made movie. As a, as a film, it's a it's a good, it's okay experience. But for me personally, the problem is more that I have kind of been here already. I I've seen these elements. I've seen this film play out in some shape or form before, and and because of these the the elements that this has, like the loss of innocence. The teenage youth, all, all the feelings and the angst that you feel and and those emotions that you might get and making that bad decision and then that downward spiral opening beneath you. That those are kind of all elements that I've already seen quite many times and I don't quite know what in blue light would make it so spectacular, so individual. Let's say that I I would kind of recommend this over some other drama film that has the murder element in it. And Henrik, psst, psst, come here, come here, closer. All right, you know what it is because it's a Japanese film. <laughs> <laughs> but but you have you have seen this in Japanese films also. Well, uh, yeah, but I I feel still that this uh, you know. Of course, that's biased from my so-called Western perspective and all, but also the Japanese-ness, if that's a word, gives it kind of a uniqueness. And I just feel that it's executed very tenderly. You know, there's all these very pressing and heavy subjects in the film, but the film itself is not always that that heavy. That that mood is interesting. It's it's the, the it's the blue light, man. <laughs> it it might be, and may, maybe me kind of not fully getting into the blue light is something... Why I'm not as enthusiastic about the film as you are. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if you jumped enough beneath the surface, Henrik, here. Or maybe you did. Maybe you've seen this a billion times. Then again, is it the fault of the film? I think it's executed very well. It, I already said that it, it is executed very well. Yeah. But once again, why would Blue Light be the film that you kind of go on and push push on someone else to to watch? Mm. It's a good film. It, it, it's and... a good it, it's a good film in a sea of good films. Okay, that's your like your opinion, man. But, it's my uh, professional uh, opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. There is some personal bias, probably, you know. Like Daiki said, somewhere there's a little bit of this nostalgia when you see the bike, and there is a connection from, from teenage years to this film. Yeah. What about Daiki? You, I guess you would recommend. Yeah, like, there are some points I didn't really understand, but I think this movie brings up several different opinions. So I would be interested in hearing comments from several different people with, let's say, diverse background, because this movie actually depends on what kind of perspective or background you have, because some people might kind of support Shui, what Shuichi have done. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and another basic point is, like, in, in English it's blue light, but in Japanese it's blue fire or blue flame, something that's, like, yeah. yeah, something burning, so I don't know how come there's a difference. Between. There definitely definitely is that the, the, the fly, fire or flame definitely makes more sense in this context. Mm. All right, I guess that wraps up this beast. First of all, Daiki-san, I think you might like to mention some websites where people can find out more about you and follow you. 
Ah, yeah. <laughs> People can find me on Twitter naming Okonomiyaki guy. Sorry, it's kind of st- stupid name. <laughs> and also, <laughs> I have my own we- website called finlandlifelessons.com where I write about the differences between Japanese and Finnish life, etc. Yeah, yeah, super interesting perspectives. Please go check it out, dear listeners. Yeah, that that's something interesting also for the Finns in their audience. Always nice to hear and and read how other people see your culture when. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, from my side, it's also nice to hear how Finnish people think about Japan or like some international people living in Finland. Yeah. All right, Dagi, we are super like beyond happy that you have joined us tonight to discuss the film with us and give us some local perspective on some of the aspects and uh, yeah it was a great pleasure to have you here yeah thanks for coming by thank you i had a lot of fun here it was really <laughs> exciting experience yeah like time flew really i, <laughs> I can't, I can't because we started talking at six and it's already two and a half of us <laughs> i haven't had this kind of experience of discussing movies so thank you so much <laughs> our pleasure and as our listeners might know If you're a new one, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. And throughout the this year, you can still join our International Cinema Challenge 2019, which the Blue Light has been a part of. So you can watch these 20 films from 20 different countries. And at the end of the year, in the beginning of 2020, we will give you a little bit of a kind of a prize for that effort. You can fe- feature <laughs> in this podcast and talk all about your experience how it was that's gonna yeah, that, be that's thing. that's a prize with so many quotation marks <laughs> <laughs> sounds really interesting <laughs> <laughs> that's about it for this week from my part seems to be that it's time to throw the lab coat into the corner thank you uh, arigatou gozaimashita <laughs> <laughs> arigatou gozaimashita <laughs> <laughs>